have daughters. A daughter before you had any sons at all was really something of a misfortune. But he knew that it did not seem like that to Guinea. All Guinea cared for was that it had been hers, and that it had lived only a day. If the harvest is good, I will give her a set of amber pins for her hair, he thought, laying down the wolf spear and taking up another that was in need of burnishing. And some cooking pots, and if the harvest is very good, I will give her a length of fine striped cloth, such as the merchants sell, to make a tunic. But he knew that the amber pins and the cooking pots and even the fine striped cloth would not comfort Guinea for the loss of the babe, and that made him feel helpless, and feeling helpless was a thing that always made him angry, so he scowled at the spear blade, rubbing harder and harder as though he hated it. The gale seemed to be rising higher than ever, and under the beating and howling of it a new note was swelling, now lost beneath the shriller overtones of the storm, now sounding clear, the deep reverberating boom and crash that was the sea. The wind was going round to the north, piling the seas onto the black rocks of the headland, flinging in wave after wave like the blows of a hammer, as though to batter the cliffs to pulp. He looked up with a start, and even Guinea checked her spinning, as a gust wilder than any that had gone before hurled itself upon the house-place with a drumming that shook the very roof-tree. Luarth, the pack-leader, opened eyes like twin yellow lamps in the wildly flickering gloom, and growled softly in his throat, then sprang up, followed by the rest, their hair rising along their necks, as the leather apron over the low-shielded entrance was plucked aside, and a figure came ducking in with the eddying gale behind it. Kunori was afoot as swiftly as his hounds, grasping his hunting spear in one hand, while with the other he made the sign to avert evil. But the newcomer was neither live enemy nor storm-driven ghost, though from his appearance he might have been either, and as he came into the leaping flame-light, the great hounds ceased their sing-song snarling and lay down again, and Kunori tossed aside his spear. Flan! he cried disgustedly. You were never nearer to a spear between your ribs. What brings you abroad on such a night? Flan was gasping for breath as he stood before the entrance, shaking the wild hair out of his eyes. The red mare in the first place, he panted. She broke out again, and I have been right away over the sea cliffs after her, and it was so that I saw it. There's a ship caught in the bay and trying to beat out round the headland. She will be on to the killer's rock by now. Kunori's disgust was gone on the instant. He remembered the last time a ship had driven on to the killer. There had been many things washed up by the sea afterwards. He said nothing, but his eyes met Flans, and a fierce excitement leapt between them. Then, swinging round on the woman who had risen also, he demanded, My cloak! Quick! Bring me my cloak, Guinea! Flan had already disappeared again to spread the news throughout the village as she brought it to him. He caught it from her and flung it round his shoulders, stabbing home the bronze pin, and plunged out after Flan into the buffeting darkness, thrusting back the hounds who made to follow him. The wind almost took his breath away as he made his way down between the crowding huts to the gate of the stockade. 
Clearly, he had not been the first to whom Flan had cried his news, for other dark figures were heading in the same direction, and when they reached it, they found the thorn bush which normally blocked the gap at night had already been dragged aside by those who had gone before. They left it so for those who came after them, and turned seaward, heads down and shoulders hunched, leaning into the wind. The moon, which was near to full, seemed racing across the night, now lost behind great banks of tattered cloud, now sailing out into ragged fjords of clear sky, and as it came and went, the tribesmen were now engulfed in bat-winged darkness, now flooded with swift silver radiance as they struggled seaward. The whole men's side of the village was out and heading for the coast and the promised wreck, streaming out houndwise across the hills, eager for whatever harvest Camulus and the Lord of Storms had sent their way. And among the rest, Kunori came at last over what seemed to be the edge of the world into the full onslaught of the shrieking gale and the salt taste of spindrift on his lips, and crouching against the thrust of the wind that strove to pluck him off and whirl him away like a bee.